You are listening to the In Her Eyes podcast. I am your host, Lynn Niehouse, episode number 11. Hello, hello, my lovely friend, and welcome to the In Her Eyes podcast. I am your host, Lynn Niehouse, interior designer, artist, mama, scientist, color specialist, and space coach, here to help you navigate the beautiful messiness of raising strong, thriving daughters while you discover the path to a home that inspires you. You will learn to design gorgeous, peaceful spaces inside and out that you can be proud of and love coming home to. Each week, we will explore how individuality and practicality create the harmony our souls crave. Let's dive in, my dear, to all of our beautiful stuff. podcast is about following your heart. It's about pivoting when necessary and ultimately seeing the opportunity in your newly created circumstances. I'm sharing with you a conversation that I had with my friend, Amy Neal. Amy and I connected through our desire to support each other in our businesses and we found out that we had so much in common in the way that we were raised and in the way that we look at a lot of things. So it occurred to us that we needed to do a podcast together. So I'm sharing that with you. We had some technical difficulties, um, some sound issues. So what I'm bringing to you today is the very best of that conversation and really the points that we came to toward the end of our conversation and understanding how everything tied together. We also talk about community and how important that is in supporting us. And if you're a nature lover or a gardener, you're going to find so many plant-based references in this podcast. Bloom where you're planted. It's a phrase that I adore. And even though we're talking about pivoting and moving and changing our physical locations, changing what we're doing, I still find this to be something that's so important to think about as we launch into this conversation. There's such a duality in that phrase. On the one hand, it means taking advantages of the resources at hand. It means instead of postponing your happiness until some later event or circumstance, you're choosing to flourish in the moment. You're literally drinking in every single ray of sunshine that there is in your place. And if there's no sunshine, you're being nourished by the rain. So that's what it means to me. But I will admit there are moments when that same phrase would have meant being restricted. Those same four words, bloom where you're planted, could have symbolized being stuck or unable to move. And it's amazing to me that today they create so much joy in me when before they would have led to a feeling of resentment. So how do we know when to pivot? 
how do we know that we're not simply giving up because things got hard? And the great thing about that is if you're giving up because things got hard, you can be sure that whatever you gave up on, whatever you let go of, is going to circle back around if it was what your heart wanted, if it was what your heart meant. Our truest power lies in our ability to stay open, to have the courage to step into opportunity as it presents itself. Our hearts know the path. The only thing that we need to be rooted in is the present moment. Only the present moment is where we need to be rooted. And if we remain flexible and listen to our heart, it will tell us so much. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as Amy and I did as we dove deep into what it means to follow your heart, pivot when necessary, ultimately see the opportunity in what's created around you and thriving in your community. So enjoy. Hello, Amy. How are you? I am so excited to bring you on to the podcast today. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. I already know we have so much juicy stuff to talk about. Yes. The crazy thing is we have like our our paths are so similar into like how we were raised and, and, and what we're doing and what we love doing. So um, I'm just going to take a second to introduce you to my listeners here. And um, then I want you to just dive in and Tell us some of your, your, your good juicy bits about how just, I want you to just fill in the gaps. So Amy Neal is a community event organizer, a blogger, a homesteader. She is passionate about helping people create homes and communities that thrive. Although Amy grew up in a small New England town after college, she moved to New York City with the intentions of making it her permanent residence beginning a collegiate track and field coaching career at Columbia University. But with a full-time coaching offer on the table, she left it all behind when she moved to, to the country and started a farm with her now husband, Josh. And they spent a year homesteading in Western Massachusetts. Amy was hooked. She discovered her passions for gardening, old home design, community, and nature. And she dipped her toes in the entrepreneurial world by launching a dog walking and training business. A year later, she welcomed her first daughter and used her maternity leave to take her business full time. And as her business grew, Amy connected with her intuitive abilities and developed a mindset of spiritual well-being. And with her newfound skills, Amy pivoted her business from dog walking and training to intuitive canine communication. That just sounds so cool right there. (laughs) And healing for uh, behaviorally challenged dogs. And that led Amy and Josh to search for property where they could add an intimate dog retreat center and allow them to continue to homestead. 
2019, she moved her family to a 30-acre sanctuary that checked all the boxes, an 1894 Victorian home that needed love, 30 acres of, of farm-ready land, and a functional barn and space for a kennel. But trusting her intuition, Amy made an even larger pivot to build a life centered around home and community. Today, you can find Amy renovating her home, transitioning her family-sized garden into a small-scale commercial garden, and planning out the next seasonal festival with her town community. Oh my gosh, Amy, you're so busy. <laughs> the first question I have for you is I want you to tell me what homesteading is because I have a general idea, but I don't know exactly. So I think everybody has a different definition of homesteading. They're the people that are all in. They have their cows, they have their goats, they have like everything is sustainable on their property. So they've got their milk, they've got their cheese, they've got their fermented vegetables, they've got their fresh vegetables, all of it. And you could even go as far as to say like anything they build, they pull their wood from the land and they mill it and make it usable lumber. And what we do here is we focus primarily on like what makes us happy. And within that, what do we desire to create in a sustainable fashion at our home. Here on our property, so much of it was already in place. We just had to revive it. So we have peach trees, we have hazelnuts, we have mm -hmm. apple trees. That was all already here. Oh wow. We added a decent sized garden. So one of the things that we manifested when we found this property and it was by accident was solar panels. Mm. So it wasn't even like a thought in my mind of like sustainable electricity. And then here's this house that was on like the porch of this house was on my vision board. <laughs> it always happens that way. It always, it, it doesn't, it still surprise you. Like it still shocks you. Like, you know, it happens that way. And then there it is. It's like right straight in front of you. It's like, it smacks you in the face. Yeah. Like, Oh my gosh. And I like scrolled over the Zillow posting like eight times. Like, and then finally we had a terrible showing of this other property that I thought was going to be it. Mm -hmm. And the realtor shows up and they're like, the listing agent never left the key. It was December in New Hampshire <gasps> from our daughter and my parents. And it was freezing and we had driven two hours. Here's your sign. So in our garden right now, if you were to come to our house, and if you were to like come hang out with me as I go grocery shopping, I don't hit the produce section mm. at all. Um, lemons and limes and cilantro are the only things I buy in the produce section of the grocery store because we need lemonade and we need salsa. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because while you're talking about like describing homesteading, my husband and I, we were having an argument not an argument, like just our general banter last night about yeah. the difference between fajitas and tacos. And because, well, two nights before I was going to make steak quesadillas, but I did, I said, I didn't have enough cheese. We have all of these peppers coming in and he's like, make fajitas with the spicy peppers. I was like, oh, okay, that's a, that's a really great idea. And he said, but you don't have cheese. And I said, well, I have a little bit of cheese, but you don't put cheese in fajitas. And so we got into this argument, like, what's the difference between a fajita and a taco? And 
like I went to Joy of Cooking. He went to the to Merriam-Webster, and he said it's just that the people called them fajitas because they didn't have a cow. So there you go. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's one thing that we don't do. We don't do our own meat. If we were to have cows and chickens and goats, our ability to travel as a family, right? You even do a day trip is instantly constricted. Right, right. And that was the one thing that I didn't enjoy back when we had cows. You know, now I love it. We've got the perfect size garden. Mm. We have cut flowers. We have perennial flowers. We have roses. We have hazelnuts. We have tomatoes, onions, jalapenos. We have all of that. So it's really enjoyable for me to, like the first thing I do in the morning when I get up is I either have a cup of tea or I have a cup of coffee and I go down and I walk the garden. Mm. I just, you know, and some, some days it feels like I'm watching paint dry because I'm like, hurry up and bloom hurry up and ripen. Like, I want to eat you. Yes. So juicy. And then other days I just get so excited to see what's growing and to see the progress and to say, wow, we planned that. So let's jump into how you, I know you said that you grew up in a small town, but then you felt this need to go big. Like what was sort of that emotional like what about your your time growing up that you've reconnected to now that you felt that need to try something different when you were making your first career choice it's rooted in community it all comes back to community so growing up my grandfather and my grandmother were both very active in the community. My grandmother did a lot of community service. She served on the hospital auxiliary board. And my grandfather ran the town hardware store. That mm. I, so my great-grandparents came. Um, they came down from Canada. But they were originally... Uh, so my grandfather ended up at a very young age becoming a part owner in his parents' hardware store. And he didn't actually want to do that. I don't think he, at that age, had an understanding of how influential that store would be on. Mm. And I remember being in college, I was at a track meet, I was out of state, and somebody came up to me and she said, you're a Keegan. And I went, yeah, who are you? And it all circled back to... They had grown up in our town and they knew the hardware store and the whole thing. Like I was the shop baby. Right, right. (laughs) I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Mom would be looking for wallpaper samples and she'd bring me and I would just play. Like (laughs) the store was like my playground. And then it shut down because my grandfather wanted to retire and there Mm -hmm. was no way to take over the store. That kind of rocked my world. We moved to an even smaller community where we knew no one. And that's where I spent middle school and high school. I was used to be living in this community where we were active members. So what made you feel like New York City was a good, was a community where you wanted to stay? Because I thought that was just. Yeah, that is, that's actually a really interesting question because I didn't think of it in terms of oh, I'm going to go find my people in New York City. It was more 
along the mindset of, I was a division one athlete. I was a hammer thrower in college Mm -hmm. and I was getting my degree in athletic training. And I remember sitting in class one day and it was one of our professional prep classes for athletic training. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I want to coach track and that's what I'm going to do. And I was on the USA track and field board one day and it said, looking for a throws coach, Columbia University. And I said, that checks all my boxes. And actually, no, they weren't even looking for a throwing coach. They were looking for a pole vault coach. Mm. And I said, well, if they're looking for a pole vault coach, don't you think they'd be looking for a throwing coach? So I emailed them. They didn't even have a job for me. I emailed them, but divine intervention happened. And they had a freshman that walked on the team that wanted to throw the hammer in the weight throw. They emailed me and said, when can you be here? Oh, that's fantastic. And everything came together. I didn't have to search for an apartment. I didn't have to search for a job. Like it all, it all came together. And let's, let's be real. You know, my days were scheduled around practice. So I knew that there was this community of people that I was going to see day in and day out. You know, it was never a thought to me. Oh, well, what if I don't fit in? Like that wasn't even, it was just like track. And one of the things that I had just learned recently is that as, as women, we actually, there's a hormonal reason that we need to be in community on some level because it actually increases our progesterone levels, um, which I thought was so interesting because I love that interplay from when our bodies are telling us like where we need to be and what we need to be doing um, and paying attention to that. So yeah, so you were good at listening to your body even before you knew <laughs> that it was that it was giving you these signals. So yeah, so and that was the next thing that I really wanted to talk about was in terms of this dream moving forward of finding a home to transform as somebody who grew up in that world where everything was built and everything was made and everything was like harnessed and repurposed and loved back to life as my family were they were in the furniture business what what drew you back to wanting to live in a house that needed to be completely redone that takes me back to childhood and growing up my dad in the summers he was a teacher And when he was home for the summer, he would go and he would paint all the neighborhood houses. And we lived in a neighborhood uh, that was all Victorian style homes. Mm. So there's an element that I just feel like home when I'm in an old house. Yes. (laughs) Also, you know, growing up in the environment where my parents were doing all of the renovations themselves. Osmosis, I guess. Yes. (laughs) So I believe, as you do, that, you know, we're on this continual journey and we get these nudges, whether it's trusting ourselves or trusting or the universe is guiding us to me. I believe it's both things, you know, kind of coalesce (laughs) into where we are. And I know that you've made several big pivots, you know, from making that decision to be a coach to going out and farming your own land. Do you have advice for our listeners? Because I know 
I've struggled with it in the past. And I know our listeners certainly have had those moments as well when you feel like people expect you to stay on the path of your decision. Like what advice would you have to our listeners on how to trust that you need to make this pivot? And where does that trust come from? Oh, that trust comes from your intuition, from your internal knowing and listening to your body because your body's going to tell you, your body's going to tell you this feels good or this doesn't feel good. And in terms of human design, I'm a manifesting generator. And Same. so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a, mm-hmm, or uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. And I, you one of my, the biggest pivots I had, and I didn't realize, realize I was having it yet was with my dog training business. I had put a post out on social media and I put it in the wrong spot for the wrong audience. And I got chewed up and spit out and it devastated me. And it didn't feel like one of those moments where it was one of those moments that didn't feel like, oh, haters are just going to hate. Like it felt like a personal attack but there was a gift in it because it made me question how authentic my desire to be in that space of dog training was. And the more I said, how authentic is this for my life? It was really authentic at one point in time. Mm -hmm. As I peeled away the layers, there was a huge piece of what will people think of me? What will my husband think? Because I felt the reason we moved to this house was to build a dog kennel. And now I'm peeling back the layers and that's a big, uh, uh, yeah. (laughs) And I realized that I was just delaying and putting off and not fully committing to any of the work needed to put up a kennel for the same reason why we don't have farm animals. Mm. I didn't want to be stuck. Yeah. I didn't want to be married to my property in a way that didn't feel joyful. That that was a no thank you. It was a really interesting timeline because I started to realize it was a, a no for me and there was a pivot coming. Right when my husband got his job at this uh, vegetable farm. Mm. which for him was a home run in terms of his professional career and what he wanted to do. And I'll never forget. I will never forget the day he came home. He had to work Saturday. He was late getting home and the voices in my head just like ran away with me. I was so annoyed. I was so annoyed. And they came out as annoyance Mm -hmm. but the conversation finished with me saying I don't want to build a dog kennel I don't want to do dog training anymore please don't be mad at me please you know there was a part of me that was worried that he was gonna throw back at me well we moved here for all of that now what? And he didn't. He said, okay, 
Yeah. And I think it's, I think I just, I love that you told that story because I think so many times we're so afraid to do what our heart is telling us, our body is telling us, like everything around us that we see is telling us just because we have this misbelief that we're holding on to so strongly that something's going to happen when we do that. And then you do it and you realize, wait a minute, that wasn't even true. I did all of these, you know, I held on to all of this when it was completely something that I created in my own mind and didn't even exist. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's such an important, uh, thank you. Thank you. I think that's just such a great point to make because I think there's so many times when like, even if we know that our job is just draining us, but we show up there every day because what's our family going to think if we left because of everything we'd invested in being there and all of those things. So it's one of the reasons that I wanted us to have this conversation because I just feel like we're coming into this time when we're understanding that trusting ourselves is where we need to be. Yeah. Trusting ourselves, trusting that it's safe to speak up for ourselves. Right. Exactly. Say, this is no longer working for me and I'm going to pivot. Not do I have your permission to pivot? Exactly. I'm choosing to pivot. Right. And in that moment, I wasn't looking for his permission, but I was nervous I wasn't going to have his support. Mm, yes. Because I was going to do it regardless. But there was that twinge of, please don't be mad at me. Yes. <laughs> please don't think that I've taken another opportunity and just quit on it. That was what I was worried he was going to think about. Mm -hmm. And his response was, okay, what do you want to do instead? Yes. And I said, I want to work on this house. I think I want to flip houses. I'm not really sure, but this house definitely is what I want to work on. And if I'm having a dog kennel and building that, right. I can renovate this house and that's what my heart wants. Right. I'm such a big believer. I mean, I'm an interior designer for goodness sake, but um, it's so easy to shift our larger vision when we're in a space that honors all those little bits and pieces of who we are, who our family is, our vision for our family. I think that's something that that is a missing piece that most people don't realize when they're trying to create their space. Like there's those unrealized dreams that we had as small children that we bring into our space and then trying to meet everybody else's needs yet as women with you know children and husbands like carried this vision for what we wanted our family to be our whole life being able to let that unfold and just owning that you know just just literally I found for some of my clients just saying those words out loud I have a vision for this family let's put my vision out there um, it's not me trying to take something from you or trying to make you do something my way. I just think you you have embodied <laughs> embodied that in where you are and the lifestyle that you've created for your family and just bringing all those pieces together. And I just think it's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. And when we embody our truest authentic selves, everybody else is given a little permission slip to do the same and it's so interesting because they don't even realize it's happening 
Exactly. I hear like little angels singing right now. <laughs> that is exactly, that is exactly the truth. And I think until you've experienced it firsthand, like until you've known that moment when you start to see that, when you start to look around and notice that, because nobody says this to you. You know, nobody says this to you when you're, you're getting married and buying your house. Being your authentic self is the greatest gift you can give to the people around you. Yeah, I remember being given a piece of marriage advice before we were even on the marriage track. And it was, don't let him see you cry. And I was like, what? I'm a crier (laughs) and he's going to see it. And he's, that's just how that's going to play out. And if that's not acceptable in his world, then maybe we're not going to thrive together. Right. Maybe our little family unit isn't going to be that strong community that I have hold in my heart. Right. And here we are, we're 11 years later and we're just fine. Yes. <laughs> I'm a crier too. So I, let's, let's, I want to talk about community because I know that one of the things that you realize in where you are now is that you have this wonderful ability to pull people together and, and help them magnify themselves. And you've done that by using your space as a community building space. So let's talk about that. It was back in the spring. I had a bunch of furniture that I had refinished and, you know, vintage goods that I had acquired and collected and I wanted a place to sell them but I didn't have the funds to open a store. So I said, let's have an outdoor shopping event. And people came out of the woodwork for this event. And it was one of those things that I said, I want to get to know my community. Yeah. <laughs> let's jump in. Now, following intuition and intuitive guidance, a fall festival came through. Across the street, there's another group of people who are doing a cider fest. And then up the road, there's a non-traditional triathlon happening all in the same day uh-huh. in my mind. And in terms of that, like feminine essence of we're all in this together, I was like, how awesome for our little town. Yeah. How cool. And it, you know, there's this idea that small towns need to have this cute quintessential main street. And that's not true necessarily, because as long as you have a community of people who are energetic optimistic and willing to pull together and work together and move through obstacles together, you can come up with so many ways to get out and about with your community and create a thriving economy, thriving relationships, and just have fun. Fun is the key. Fun is the key. Fun is like, I have to remind myself that every day (laughs) that the whole purpose is fun. So yes, if we're not having fun, why are we doing it? Exactly. And I really, you know, I realized with the first event that we had in the spring, how easily and quickly that came together. Nothing, (laughs) nothing that I ever put out in my dog business ever felt that easy. Mm. Ever. So that, you know, the positive evidences were there. Right. The celebration was there. And these artists that I didn't even know existed that lived five doors down from me. 
No, that's so wonderful. And I think that's the thing that we miss so many times is when we follow our hearts, we don't realize that other people are just out there waiting in the wings for for something to happen. You know, you get that feeling like we, we get it intuitive, like something's going to happen, something's going to change. And we realize, wait a minute, we're the ones that those people are waiting on. And every time we don't follow that guidance, I think that as women, we have it, you know, are more in touch with it stronger, maybe because we talk about it more, maybe it's just that feminine energy. But every time we worry too much about what everybody around us is going to think by us following our heart, we don't take into account all of those people waiting in the wings for us to move. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, all it took to create the momentum for this fall festival, the other festivals that are happening on that same day was offering one community-based program, a free table at the spring event. Wow. We have what's called a tool lending library, which I think every town should have. So we have this little store and it's filled with tools that you can borrow at no cost. Oh, that's brilliant. So if you need a rake, they've got a rake and you check it out just like a library book. That's so smart because, I mean, how many of us have garages filled with stuff that we only use three times a year? Uh-huh. And like, if I could let other people borrow it for free, I would absolutely love that. And that's, it's all donation-based. They do fundraising to get some of their bigger stuff, but they've got a website and they've got an Excel spreadsheet. It's super simple. And you just scroll down and see if they have what you need. They've got power tools, all of it. And I noticed that they had been fundraising for a cider press. So I asked if they had gotten it. And it turns out a girl that I had gone to high school with, who now lives in the same town, wanted to do the fundraising for the cider press because she had apple trees in her backyard. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Want the apples to go to waste. Well, they got the money for the first cider press. And then a week later, somebody donated a second one. So I went to talk to the woman who runs the tool library. And I said, I'm planning a fall festival. Can you help me? I would love for the tool library to be involved from a community standpoint. And she said, that's great. We're hosting a cider fest behind the town offices in the pavilion. And I I about fell over. Like it was just one of those moments where we looked at each other. and (laughs) And so you just never know how if you step out of your comfort zone, even just a half a step, what's going to spiral from there? Right. And I think we're so afraid of the spiral that we forget that most times the spiral is brilliant. And the really, really funny thing is that every morning I pull an Oracle card and I journal and I've been on every once in a while, I'll do like a money mindset clearing and I'll do like a month of, okay, what abundance like limiting belief is coming up that's ready to be cleared. Well, the last two mornings going outside of my comfort zone has been Mm. (laughs) I'm on the verge of not a pivot per se, but taking what we've started like the garden and expanding it. Mm. And so we're taking the garden um, and we're doing 
next season, next summer, we're going to do, I believe, just kale and Swiss chard. Chard. I always say that wrong. My husband makes fun of me. Swiss chard. (laughs) And grow it on a commercial level to sell within our community. And then on the other side of the garden, I'm going to be growing cut flowers Mm. seed production. I don't actually want to sell the flowers. I want to sell a collection of pollinator seeds Mm. to the community that are locally grown, organically grown. We're not certified organic, but we grow using organic practices and also play around a little bit with breeding to get some cool variations. Mm the seeds that I'm creating so that they're unique to us in our town. And that by itself is a little bit scary. Yeah. (laughs) It's outside of my comfort zone because, you know, we had a big rainstorm last night and I went down this morning to the garden and I was like, oh, there's more flowers toppled over. Every day is a practice of trusting the abundance of the universe. Yeah when you garden yeah no that's so beautiful that's so beautiful that that that's your reminder is you know toppled over flowers is your reminder to to trust the universe and they might not look pretty they might be toppled over but they're still growing right they don't need to be perfectly straight they don't need to be on perfect stems they just have to meet a certain number of requirements for seed collection Hmm. they don't I don't need to spend all of this time keeping them upright and perfectly straight and making sure the stem lengths are long enough and go through all of the extra detailed requirements that I would have to do if it were cut flowers. Right, right. That's exciting. And so here you are like moving to your next level just by trusting yourself. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And it was this wild revelation from following the breadcrumbs. I was driving down a neighboring street and a neighbor had put out a sign that said Dahlia tubers for sale, 10 tubers for $10. And I was never thinking reselling them, saving them, planting them so that they would grow so I could propagate them to resell as a product. Mm-hmm. Until I learned that one dahlia tuber creates four after you plant it. I have one last question. Okay. I want to know what parts of you as a little girl, if she were to see you now, would she be so happy to have seen her self realized? I was my dad. Well, my sister and I both were our dad's like right hand work buddy you know he would be building something and we'd be right there what tool do you need dad what do you need how can we do this how can we do that and the one thing I don't think my childhood self would have ever expected was to love gardening so much Mm. I think she would be really surprised by that but absolutely like just in love with it I remember my mom and grandmother having gardens and thinking oh they're so pretty but I never dug in the dirt and planted things 
until I met Josh. And that's when I was hooked. I was like, wow, one seed turns into all of that. Yeah. And it's such a reminder of how abundant we are. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful, Amy. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I know that my listeners certainly gathered some nuggets for any of those places in their life that they're coming up against like indecision or knowing what's in their heart might not necessarily be appearing in their life and what they need to do to start to follow that path and trust themselves. So thank you. And where can people find you? I know they're gonna wanna see the transformation in your home um, or in your local community there. If they want to reach out to you, how do they do that? Come hang out with me on Instagram. Nostalgia underscore Amy Neal is where I hang out and play. And I'm always in my stories and I'm always sharing little life tidbits and projects and renovations and updates on the garden. And so if you want to see the garden and you want to see the house, that's where I share it with you all. Okay, fantastic. And that information will be in the show notes along with Amy's website and how you can connect with her. Um, So thank you again, Amy. This was just such a treat, such a joy. And I can't wait to see you up level. I can't wait to see your your next manifestation. So Um, have have a wonderful day. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. So my friend, wasn't that fun? What intuitive nudges are you going to follow this week? I challenge you to lean into them and see where they go. You might be surprised. Uh, My bet is you're going to be pleasantly surprised. As an introvert, I know that sometimes they feel really scary, but on the other side of it, looking back, you can't even see a different path forward. So it always just makes me wonder, what other opportunities have I missed by not speaking up, by not leaning into those intuitive nudges? So enjoy this newly found fall season. I hope you find some cider as delicious as what's going to be at Amy's upcoming Fall Fest. If you are in the Massachusetts area, please connect with Amy. I know that her upcoming events are going to be so much fun and just so carefree and beautiful and a celebration of community. And don't forget, speaking of community, if you have been meaning to rate and review the podcast and haven't had an opportunity yet, I'm gonna be doing a drawing on Sunday, this coming Sunday, for next, I'll be announcing it on next week's podcast to the winner of this month's drawing for the ceramic coasters that I hand paint as just a thank you to you, my sweet and loyal listener. So enjoy the rest of your week, my friend. And I hope you tune in next week because I have some stellar design advice with a special guest who will be helping you no matter where you are in your design journey, especially if you're just getting started. 
Thank you for joining me here today on the In Her Eyes podcast. If you heard something today that resonated or helped you move forward on your design vision, please head over to the platform you get your podcasts and subscribe. And it would mean the world to me for you to leave me a rating and review. The complete instructions for doing that are on the In Her Eyes podcast website. That's inhereyespodcast.com forward slash review. And while you're there, be sure to grab my bedroom project planning workbook. It's the step-by-step guide to designing a room on any budget that truly supports your needs, your style, your habits, and you or your daughter will love coming home to, whether you're seven or 77. And it's my gift to you for tuning in. And if you have an idea for a podcast episode, something that you're struggling with, or something that you'd like to hear more about, please fill out the form on the bottom of that page. I personally read every single submission. If it's something that I feel confidently that I can speak to and help you with, I'll absolutely create something that will help you out. And if it's something that I feel like someone else can guide you better, I will guide you to that person, I promise. Have a beautiful day, my friend. Until next week. 